0: Welcome, everyone, to episode 18 of the Turn-Based Podcast here on TheCoalition.com, our featured RPG-focused podcast. I am your host, David Jagno, Senior Editor, and I'm joined with two beautiful, beautiful men here to join me on this podcast. Why don't you guys say hi? Pause. (laughs) Yeah,
1: what's up, listeners?
2: Yeah, what's up? This is Gary Swaby.
0: This is Richard Bailey. EIC. RB Jr. My sister. <laughs> Remember the name. RBJ. Yeah, we've got a great show planned for all you guys today. We, um, Instead of doing a spotlight on a game, we're going to have a kind of a turn based discussion, if you will. <laughs> but first, of course, we're going to talk about what we've been playing, as usual. Um, I've been playing quite a bit, actually. I've been playing a lot of Neverwinter, as I'm sure if you keep up with the site, you'd see that half the stuff I post lately is about Neverwinter. Um, I've been playing Mars Warlogs, which my review for that will be up by the time this podcast is posted, so you can check that out. Um, I've also been playing uh, a lot of Vita lately, actually. I-, I went back and started playing some PSP RPGs on the Vita. And I also am determined to finish Final Fantasy Thirteen, So I played that very briefly this week, and I'm going to start playing that more now that I've, I am actually graduated. I am a college graduate, so I have more time until Congrats. I actually locate a job. So then I'll be all depressed and sad again.
2: Congratulations on that, man.
0: Thank you, thank you. but yeah that's pretty much it I've been playing a lot of different stuff uh, but mostly the one game that I've keep coming back to is Neverwinter so that's been the main one that I've been playing recently
2: cool um yeah I've played uh, a couple different things lately um I've been playing Soul Sacrifice here and there um I also tried out Neverwinter on David's recommendations and I really like the game especially because it has like a real Dragon Age type feel but um you know Dave told me he informed me that um Dragon Age was actually going to be like a follow up to uh the Neverwinter Neverwinter Nights but you know then they then it just evolved into Dragon Age basically so, that's why it's a very similar style of gameplay, but yeah, I really like the game um i haven't I haven't put a lot of hours into it yet, but I definitely plan to. I kind of want people to play with, so you know, I've been waiting for David to have more free time as well as myself, so yeah, hopefully I'll get stuck into that eventually um, I also been playing a lot of Guild Wars too. Cause I'm trying to build like the ultimate character. I, I built two new characters actually. I made a ranger and an elementalist because I really wanted to try out those characters. And I've been getting into crafting a bit as well in that game to see if I can make some more gold. And um, I'm I'm getting better at it. I'm a lot better at the crafting than I was before. So yeah, that's good. That's pretty much it for me.
0: All right, what about you, Mr. EICRBJ? It
1: sounds like some great games. No, like I said, I do not have a gaming PC yet, so I'm not even going to remotely pretend that I am able to play those games now. What I have been playing, the usual suspects, played some more Injustice, still very upset about their DLC fiasco, but I'm glad that I did not buy the season pass, so...
0: Oh, you! Injustice ba- Batman Brawlers, that game.
1: That's it. Injustice <laughs> Batman Brawlers featuring featuring eighty eighty percent Batman characters. Everyone else, regular DC characters. Well, yes, a fun game. Also made the the questionable decision of starting to play Gears of War Judgment, and I would just like to say right now that uh, oh, this game. I can see why so many people left this production. I knew a guy who was the multiplayer designer. I met him at E3 last year, and then I emailed him in the fall, no longer working with with them anymore. So I can see why, because Microsoft made it look like this was going to be a big release. You know, obviously it was not. They just wanted to rope people in. Well, for what it's worth, this definitely could have been DLC, uh, expansion pack, if you will. Not a full fledged sixty dollars game, but
0: you hey, know what I find interesting? I find it interesting that both of the t- two of the main flagship titles for Sony and Microsoft that both have the same acronym both released with a game that probably should have never happened this year. So I'm talking about God fun. of War and Gear of War. Well, like, yeah, that, what, what are that's the so ironic that that happens. <laughs> like both of those games don't really need to exist. They both are G-O-W. They're both oh. exclusives.
1: It's simple. They want something to hold fans over until next gen when you will see a real sequel to God of War and Gears of War.
0: If they have another God of War game, oh my god. I am i don't even know what I'm going to do. Like, it doesn't oh, make any they, sense. Oh, don't worry. They, they will.
1: Yeah.
2: Guaranteed. They will do it, but, like, the thing is, they've done that story to death by now. So, even if they add new gameplay elements and stuff, like, where are they going to go with the
1: story? Yes. and
0: The difficult thing with that is, like, there is room for more evolution of gameplay, like you said. But the yeah. only option is to either, you know, find another small portion of the story that could be explained, which is going to be boring and pointless, like Ascension was, or have you played as a different character... Which will then destroy the source and the heart of what God of War is about, as it's about playing as Kratos. God of yeah. War has heart? Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay.
2: Uh, the only watch. thing Wait. they can.
1: Go ahead. I
2: was going to say, the, the only thing they can do is bring Kratos back to life. Because, spoiler alert, you know, the end of God of War 3, he appeared to be dead. So you know they'd have to bring him back to life if they were gonna. Yeah, but um, another resist. spoiler.
0: Another spoiler here. Everyone else is dead too. So what is he gonna do? <laughs> well, well, wait a second though.
1: Wait, wait, hold on a second. How? how that, that's not confirmed that he is dead because the body disappeared.
2: Yeah, well, I heard rumors that like. They were gonna make it where he has to fight his way out of the afterlife or something like that. Oh,
0: for the fifth time. Yeah, yeah,
1: I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I, 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 I would pay to see that. <laughs> Basically, yeah, you go through hell. It's interesting.
0: All right. Well, anyways, <clears throat> you been playing anything else and getting disappointed, disappointed by anything else, Rich?
1: Uh, No, I'm looking forward to Resident Evil uh, Revelations if somebody who I will remain nameless for the sake of professionalism if they decide to send the game. But yes, (laughs) that's all I have to say for now. I look forward to Last of Us, uh, all the other games coming out in this upcoming month, so that's about it for now, though.
2: Yo, before we move on, I just want to say quickly that we really should play Mass Effect um Citadel.
0: Yeah, I need to play all of the Mass Effect 3 DLC. Yeah, uh,
2: I I hear great things about Citadel in particular,
0: so it has me intrigued. Well, all right. we need to wait and play it like at the exact same time though.
1: Yeah, I I, yeah. I will play it when it is discounted price, discountedly priced um for me to purchase.
0: I probably can't wait that long. Especially because I have it on PC, so the chances of getting a discount on Origin are almost non-existent.
1: Oh, yeah, well, forget that then.
0: Okay, well, I guess now we'll move on to news, since we know what everyone's been up to. Um, First is some information about a game that we haven't really talked about or thought about or cared about. In about a year, pretty much exactly. uh, Ever since I played this game and reviewed it, I did not play it again. I didn't have any interest in playing it again. Then my account was hacked by someone in China. And I didn't even care enough to dispute that and get my account back. That's how little I cared to play that game again. Oh.
2: Uh, That's crazy. Like, people are hacking accounts like that? Like, is that serious?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Apparently. And, um... So I think it's interesting that, you know, despite all of the DRM, despite all of the measures they went through to make the game secure, all the frustrations that caused, that there have been a ton of problems with Diablo 3. That's the game I'm talking Mm -hmm. about. Um, Like I said, my account was hacked like a week after the game came out. Uh, They didn't even institute PvP in the game for almost a full year after the game came out which was a promised feature. The auction house wasn't in there until later, and that's where the problem lies. There have been a lot of exploits of money um, through the auction house, and it's it's kind of funny. Like, I feel bad for people that have had stuff happen or whatever, but, I mean, I find it funny that after all of that, these problems are still probably worse than they were in Diablo 2.
1: Yeah.
2: Like, I mean, it, it's it's a tricky situation because, you know, with Diablo 2, um, the whole trading and people making real money off of the game, you know, that was done off of the actual game. Like, you know, people were paying each other, you know, away from the game itself and making money from it. And that was really what was gathering a lot of interest towards the game. Now with this game Diablo 3 they you know the obviously the, the developer wanted to monetize that you know they wanted a piece of the pie so this is why they made everything DRM well part of the reason they made everything DRM so that they could control that but it seems like they just they don't have a grip on everything
0: yeah cuz what happened was there was some kind of bug in the system of some kind that allowed users to duplicate money and it was they basically could create their own money, more or less. And it was in the real money auction house, so they were literally able to just duplicate and make money in the game without having to go through the normal processes. And yeah. so what, the, what one good thing that I kind of commend them for is all of that money that, was, that they got as part of the exploit because Blizzard gets a chunk of the profit for every transaction... Um they're donating all of that money to Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. So that's cool, I guess. But I just I just think it's funny that this happened despite all of the troubles the game had at launch and all the, you know, the negative feedback people gave that, you know, despite all of those measures that it still led to problems.
2: Yeah, I think this is a testament to the fact that DRM isn't always a solution.
0: It pretty much never is.
2: Because <laughs> just look at SimCity. Look what happened with that. You know. yeah. DRM isn't always the answer.
0: Yeah, and two examples that I think are really funny and kind of show what the game developers should do is first is CD Projekt Red. The way they handle stuff is all of their games are DRM-free. You know, they tell people up front that they, you know, they can play their games, they can download install them however they want. And it's all pretty much open. And their games are pirated a lot. But because the people respect the developer, they then go and buy the game to show support for the developer.
2: Yeah. Like, if you show that you're you're just after a profit, like, the fans aren't going to respect that. Especially PC gamers. Like, PC gamers have no tolerance for that kind of attitude.
0: Yeah, especially because there's so many other options out there besides, like, whatever game you think you're selling to people. I can guarantee there's at least three or four games of equal or better quality that are free that they could download.
2: Exactly. But um, what I want to ask quickly before we move on is, like, Diablo 3 is coming to the PlayStation 3. So how do you think um, they're going to handle this game on that platform? And is it going to have the DRM?
0: I haven't looked into it enough to know if it's going to have the always online DRM. Um, I mean it seems like I mean, you know my gut tells me that's a bad idea because you know consoles are less connected than PCs, but yeah. even for PC I thought it was a bad idea and it still happened. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't really know if they're going to do that or not. I do know they're redesigning all the controls and the interface from the ground up to be specific to consoles, which is good because you know, you can't just port a PC RPG that's click point click based to a console. That doesn't work. Yeah. So it's a good sign that they're, you know, making steps in the direction to make it console-friendly. And as far as console action RPGs like Dungeon Crawlers Go, it's basically the best option. Because there aren't really many other options for consoles these days for that genre of game. Um, so I think it's probably going to sell well. I, I would recommend it to people just because there's not many other things on console to replace that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be cool. But I mean, I've I've played it and I've played other games in the genre. And I know that there are better things out there on PC.
2: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I haven't touched that game since last year. And that's not because it's a bad game. It's just that there's so much so much else on offer.
1: That's exactly what it
0: is, because it's a bad game. See, so there you go. No,
2: I actually enjoyed the game. <laughs> but, yeah, know, I mean, if is... you remember
0: correctly, I think I gave it like an eighty-five. Which, as our scores indicate, I thought it was a great game.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. That, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that that score that score will be will be would would uh would like to be changed now, right along with Sim City.
0: No, I, I don't want to change the yes. score. It's it's definitely a great game. It's just the hype killed it for me.
2: You should save that for the second round.
0: <laughs> All right, next order of business. I wanted to talk about Defiance, a game that I recently reviewed. Uh, the game is um, on consoles and PC. Uh, All three platforms, PS3, 360, PC, are all on their own separate servers, though, so it's not cross-platform. But the game also has a TV show of the same name, Defiance, on Sci-Fi. that's the channel that it's on, that is running at the same time. And this is the first time that anyone's ever tried something like this. What they claim is that things in the show are going to influence things in the game, and things in the game are going to influence things in the show. And so it's they're calling it a cross media experience, Um, you know that's some like marketing term they made up or whatever. And you know it's it's an interesting idea. Like I think that idea has a lot of potential. And the reason why I'm bringing up defiance because the game has been out for you know almost a month now, so it's not exactly current news. But first true game to show crossover event has started. And what's happening is, in the show, there was a new villain uh, that was introduced recently in the show. Let um, me find what her name was. Uh, Ren, I think, or Ryan, or Wren, I can't remember how you pronounce it. Uh, she was a new villain that was, um, you know, she was captured in an episode, and she was being transported as a prisoner. And then, you know, some people showed up and busted her out, and she has disappeared from the show. So she hasn't been on the show for the past couple episodes, but she's in the game now. Because the game takes place in a different city that's nearby. Um, so in the game, there's events happening where you have to fight off these invasions of these different bugs. There's you know, several different missions going on, new factions, all kinds of stuff like that. And based on the success or failure that players have in the game will influence how she comes back into the show, you know, what happened to her while she was gone, all that kind of stuff. And so this is the first time that there's actually been connection between the mo- between the show and the game. Um yeah, so it's it's kind of cool to see that they're actually you know going to have some stuff that influences, but it's also kind of shallow like I mean that that isn't really anything special at all. Yeah. <laughs> like for Yeah. If, if they took away the TV show and you just had the game and the same thing happened. You wouldn't know that they had that came from a TV show. You would think it was just another mission in the game. Yeah, which exactly. which I think should be the litmus test of whether or not it's actually worth adding. Like if you can tell that that could just have been in a game regardless, and it's not even looking like it's from the show, I don't think it's anything worth you know talking about because you know it doesn't add anything meaningful.
2: Yeah, I think it's a really interesting concept, but um, it all comes down to how they execute it, how well they execute it. Yeah. But um, it's definitely a good concept that I think other games and TV shows can explore in the future.
0: However, what I will say is that in an interview with, uh, I think it was an interview with IGN last month, let me see who it was. It was Tryon Worlds, the company that's doing the game. The Their vice president of development says that um, uh, content is relatively set now because a lot of the things have to be determined up front for creating a game and shooting a show. So since season one is pretty much already decided, so a lot of the crossovers aren't going to be very meaningful. But since it was renewed for a season two already, That means that in the Gap, there's probably going to be a lot of room for crossover. Like, you know, the events in the game are going to influence directly what happens in Season 2. And so I think that will be interesting, but that's, you know, like half a year away. So it's kind of hard to really speculate on.
2: Yeah, hard to get excited for that. Interesting.
0: But yeah, I uh, recommend people keep an eye on it. It is a buy-to-play game, so you buy the game, then there's no subscription fee. It's like Guild Wars. Uh, there's, so it's not free to play. It's not subscription. It's buy to play. It's like in the middle. Um, I would look for it on sale. I don't think it's worth $60 at this moment. Oh, um, it's not a bad game. Whenever I reviewed it, I gave it, um, a 55. So it's, it's average. Oh. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if you're interested in the idea, then definitely check it out. But I would also recommend playing it on console. Uh, the PC version has more bugs. The interface and the gameplay is optimized for console. It's a third-person cover-based shooter. Um, it just it doesn't really suit PC that well, I don't think. Um, yeah, I reviewed the PS3 version, and I think it ran a lot better, and it just played better on console. Mm.
2: Okay. Uh, I did hear a rumor that there might be a Call of Duty TV show. Oh. Oh. Uh. <laughs> uh, that sounds terrible, uh. but... Um, no. But what if they, you know, implemented certain battles into the multiplayer, like certain settings and stuff from the TV show, and added it into the multiplayer?
0: Yeah, I mean, that would,
2: that would be interesting.
0: It would be interesting. That's the word I'll use. Oh, man, that's too much.
2: But I
1: don't think do <laughs> <much>. <laughs> we don't gonna, they'll
0: do it. They're gonna—they'll sell each episode to you individually.
1: <laughs> yeah call of duty
0: and you can purchase a slot to show up in the background of an episode <laughs> that's how they'll do it too much next up is i want to talk about free-to-play stuff which is you know kind of what we've already been touching on now um first of all is rift it's a mmo that's been a subscription based. it's been probably the most successful one in the west outside of wow it actually you know kind of put up a fight for a while and um it's going free to play now so um they haven't really released a whole lot of details on what exactly the change is going to entail for current subscribers or what kind of stuff you can purchase in the game or how the free to play models going to work or anything like that but um, it is going free-to-play, I think, in mid-June is when they're planning for the transition. And, yeah, I'm not surprised. I thought it would have gone free-to-play a lot sooner than it did. Um, I did play the trial of the game for a, a couple weeks, and it's it's a good game. Um, after playing Guild Wars 2, i am I'm not sure that it's really going to have as much of an impact, because Guild Wars 2 kind of expanded on the novelty that Rift had. Because in Rift, they had these events where, like, an invasion would basically happen, like dynamic events, essentially, that are in Guild Wars 2. The idea of that was in Rift also, where it was, like, sudden things that would just happen in the world that you could play in. Um, But I feel like Guild Wars 2 does it better. So I'm not really sure, you know, what changes are going to be in place for Rift and, you know... I didn't really play it a whole lot, so I can't say a whole lot about it, but I'll probably check it out again once it goes free-to-play. What about you, Swift?
2: Yeah, I'm definitely checking it out, because I remember um, around the time it first came out, and um, like I was seeing it at events like Eurogamer, and I was always intrigued by it, but I didn't want to pay a subscription to play it, and that's the main reason why I never tried it. But, um, now that it's going free to play I'll definitely be trying that out because it looks pretty good
0: what about you Rich are you going to buy a PC to play Rift I'll well, <laughs>
1: apparently be playing a lot of games because uh, one of your one of our colleagues has already bought me a few games that he said I need to play when I get the PC including Rome, Total War etc all those games
2: There can only be one man.
1: So, yeah, I may try that out. I actually know I have a friend that did work on that game, so uh, I somewhat would like to see some of his work in that game. So, you know, I I may check that out.
0: I can tell you right now, as soon as you get a PC, I'm just going to send you links to so many games that you're going to have to play. Oh, boy, that's too much. You better better make sure you have a large hard drive because... (laughs) <laughs> I tell you right now that if you know me, Gary, and Assad, we're gonna send you games all the time. Oh
2: yeah, yeah. but I mean, Rift going free to play though, like that just shows like how the future is is gonna be. Like it's gonna be a free to play future. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, because it it makes sense for the gamer and the publishers.
0: Which is actually a very good segue, Gary, into the next thing I want to talk about, which is what Mark Rain, vice president of Epic Games, has said about the next generation of consoles. He has said that both Sony and Microsoft have really embraced the free-to-play model for their next systems. And he specifically says that they're willing to embrace... Uh, IAP-type business model, which are, like, in-app purchases, where you can... You know, you would download a game for free, the base game, which is basically what most free-to-play games are, and then you can purchase additional things for that game after you've already purchased it. And I think for console games, that holds a lot of potential, especially for something like Call of Duty, or even an RPG. Like, you could download the core quest, which is maybe four or five hours long, then purchase... Like all the side content, basically, that would add more content to the game. Like you know, you could purchase, like for example, I I don't want Elder Scrolls to do this, but it's an example I can think of. You can purchase the core quest line, then download for five bucks, like a really long Fighters Guild quest line, and then for five bucks download the Thieves Guild, which is another long quest line you can play.
2: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: And uh, oh, go ahead.
2: No, go ahead. Carry on.
0: He said that they are currently developing a free-to-play game that they're not willing to announce or talk about yet. Um, Who, Epic Call? Yes. Okay. Um, They haven't said what type of game it's going to be. Nothing at all, really. They just say that it's going to... They don't even really know if it's going to be digital or... I mean, I assume it'll be digital if it's free-to-play. So, yeah, I mean, it looks like that's the general trend. And if you look at PS3, like... Sony has been very open to MMOs on console because they have DC Universe online. You can play Free Realms, which is kind of a kiddie MMO. Um, Like, Defiance is on there now. Final Fantasy. Dust. Yeah, Dust 514. Yeah, so, I mean, the PS3 is already trying to do that kind of stuff. And I can only imagine that with the more open model on the PS4, like... MMOs, I think, are going to have a really, 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 really big moment on next-gen consoles. I think.
2: Definitely. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's going to be um, one of the most profitable um, business models in the future because you're giving value to the consumer whilst at the same time, you know, you're you're hook, you're hooking them into your product. And by hooking them into your product and getting them invested, they're going to want to, you know, pay you some money for, you know, whether it's for um, a new skin pack, some guns, or some quests, whatever it is. You know, they're going to want to pay something if once they get invested into that world.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people don't understand the free-to-play model, and they don't understand why it's so successful. Because a lot of people, whenever you hear that a game's going free-to-play, you think, oh, okay, great, it's dying. But that's not really the case for a lot of companies. Like, a lot of companies, they are more profitable going free-to-play.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, when I played Neverwinter, I was, like, the whole time I was like, wow, like, they're giving me this for free? Like, I feel like I want to pay them something, at least, because this game is, like, amazing for something that's being given to me for free. You know, it's like... It's kind of overwhelming a little bit.
0: Alright, well, what do you think, Rich? Because you don't... You know, as we said, you don't really have that experience with MMOs, with PC games. What do you think about that coming to consoles?
1: Oh, no, I think that'll be excellent for consoles. Um... I mean, I am particularly, as far as the free-to-play is concerned, I am particularly interested in the Ascend Hand of Cool game. Um... You formally ascend new gods because I've seen videos of this game at, at you know most recently a Pax East and it's just a game I, I definitely want to check out. It is a role playing game, so you know, and it is free to play. So I'll be very interested to see how a game like that is going to you know do on the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. Um, but overall, yes. MMOs, like I said, a lot of people, if they don't have a PC, a lot of people sometimes they're not going to want to get a PC, but they're going to want to have the same experience on the systems they have. So I like the decision to embrace this new model with the next generation of consoles. Because I mean, a lot of people have a perception that they get a PC, they've had to spend a lot of money. And obviously, some rigs will be more expensive than the PlayStation 4, in Xbox 720, if you will. So I think that, um, yeah, I mean, it just it's more opportunities for the developers as well as for the fans to check out what an MMO has to offer on a console.
0: And another thing that I think is kind of, un, that's not really mentioned a whole lot, is if there were an MMO on console that was very PvP-focused, kind of like Guild Wars, Um, I think that it would really be interesting because on PC, like you said, everyone has a different PC. Like, no one has the exact same specs. So, some people lag, some people can't see as far distance, they can't, you know, react as quickly, maybe their mouse isn't as fast, their keyboard might have some issues. I mean, everyone on PC is different, but if you play on console, it's pretty much an even playing field across the board. And so I think that would be really interesting for MMOs, especially because you're always playing with other people. And on and on PC, you know, there's always an uneven playing ground, but on console, it's always equal. That's true. right about that. I'm excited, personally. I, yeah, I really like the idea of more MMOs on console because, I mean, for me, like, a lot of the time, single-player games or even current console multiplayer games, I don't play as much just because they require you to really kind of only play that one thing for a long time. But a lot of MMOs you can kind of dive in, you know, meet up with friends, kind of like play here and there, you know, check out new stuff when it's added and keep coming back to it. And I I would like to have that on a console.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, me personally, uh, I don't think I would enjoy like um, RPG or fantasy type MMOs on console as much as I do on... On um, PC, because the way everything's laid out on the keyboard, you know, just makes things so much more simple. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't like that on a controller. But something like Planet Side 2 would work great on console.
0: Well, you say that, but that's just because there hasn't been anything on console. Like, if they completely redid the interface and the controls to where it was friendly to a controller, like, why, why would that be different?
2: Uh, well, yeah, I guess if if it's optimized, you know, for that specific console. But, um,
0: it's just hard to picture, yeah.
2: Yeah, because if somebody's going to create something like that, more than likely they're going to make a PC version, too. And I would go for the PC version.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. All right, well, free-to-play is the future, so everyone should get ready and get used to it. You heard it here. The Coalition has declared... so for our spotlight oh sorry what were you saying oh no go ahead okay for our spotlight segment this episode instead of focusing on a specific game or franchise or anything like that we instead want to have a discussion Um, we also encourage you to chime in in the comments let us know your thoughts on the topic and what your thoughts on what we said Um, we're going to talk about what defines an RPG? What defines a role-playing game? Because, you know, that that the definition is definitely probably different for everybody. Uh, it's definitely changed over the years, especially, you know, in this current generation. Um, you know, back in the past, like, you could tell something was an RPG just by looking at the cover of the game, basically. Um, but now it's kind of harder to really define what makes an RPG, you know... If a game has more than one genre, how do you define it? All that kind of stuff. Um, so first, I guess, Gary, what what do you define as an RPG?
2: Um, for me, an RPG is um, it, it's a lot of different elements in one. Um, for one, it's you're playing the role of a character, uh, whether you create that character or it's given to you. Um, but you're also in charge of the development of that character so you manage um you know that character's stats and abilities um you know their items inventory and all that stuff and you're basically responsible for that character in all throughout the experience in battle outside of battle talking to people you know all that sort of thing
0: yeah i i think i agree with that interpretation and Um, But I will add on to that and say that, um, you know, a lot of RPGs, you know, you're not limited to just one character either. Yeah. Yeah, So a lot of games, you have an entire party to manage, like Mass Effect. Outside of just actually controlling, all the things you can do to Shepard, you can do with the other characters as well, pretty much.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: And what about you, Rich?
1: Oh, no, I agree as well with what Gary said. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't need to elaborate any further. I agree with what you guys both said.
0: <laughs> All right, so I have some questions then on how it might make kind of complicate things a little bit. I know Ginny oh. uh, Jade raised a question to Gary. Uh, this I think is an interesting topic. You know, because you say that an RPG is a game where you play the role of a character you develop them throughout the course of a game, you make decisions, you manage them, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, how about a game like Heavy Rain, where you control characters, you walk around, you move them, you play the role as them, you make decisions, you interact with people. What, is, is that considered a role-playing game in your eyes? If so, why? And if not, why not?
2: Okay, I wouldn't class that entire game as a role-playing game, um, I would say that you know it simply has elements of a role playing game, but it's not fully a role playing game, and you know that's because you're not you're not in charge of every aspect of those characters' development you know you don't manage the statistics, inventory or anything like that you know it's It's more of an action game um but you're just you know you're using different characters who interact with each other. So you know a lot of games these days they're taking elements from the r p g genre and putting them in in you know different genres like sports games they're using r p g elements shooters they're using r p g elements now, but those aren't role playing games um so that's the same thing I would say for heavy rain, yep, yeah,
1: I was going uh, to ask for an example of how you said they're using r p g elements. In the sports games in, in, in particular. You talking about. They like the my player mode. Where you're developing the player behind the scenes.
2: Yeah exactly. Like. Um, I mean I, I don't play a lot of sports games. So I, it's hard for me to. Um, think of a proper example. But um, I know I have seen. You know different features like that. That allow you to manage. Like different aspects of the team. As you would in like a. You know a role playing game. Yeah, yeah.
0: definitely, especially in the latest Madden. Like, you you literally get XP and level up.
1: Yeah, well, they also have that element in Gears of War as well, where you're getting XP every time you, uh, you know, as you progress through the game, which allows you to unlock different collectibles, so on and so forth. Yeah.
2: See, and and this is where it gets really fun, because, like, a lot of people don't see themselves as fans of RPGs, but they don't even realize that a lot of their favorite games and franchises have taken so much from that genre that, you know, essentially they are they do like RPGs, but they just don't know it.
0: And see, I think, um, you know, you brought up an interesting point. You know, there are games that have RPG elements, but they're not truly RPGs, so... You know, what's what's the threshold for, you know, is there like a checklist in your mind you make of, you know, if this game doesn't let me manage my inventory, I don't consider it an RPG? Or is it just kind of, you know, you have to play the game and see, you know, whether or not it feels more like an action-adventure game? Is it more of a shooter than an RPG? Is it, you know, an RPG with shooter elements, or is it a shooter with RPG elements? Like, where's the where's the line that you draw? Or do you think some games you can't really draw a line?
2: there are a few games where you can't really draw a line, like um, Mass Effect 2 and 3, for example, like, those are really questionable as to, you know, are they traditionally RPGs or are they shooters but just with RPG elements. Um, But um, overall, as far as a checklist, um, I mean, I think it just boils down to the main mechanics of the game. Because, you know, RPGs are designed to be a bit more slow-paced than, you know, your average action game. Because action games are usually, like, fast-paced action. Because, you know, that that's what the game is designed to be. But in RPGs, it's more about the statistics of the battle. So, you know, it's more slow-paced. And, you know, wh- whatever you do to your character matters more in the actual combat. So, you know, it's, it's the um, statistics that you've been developing for that character that matters and makes a difference in the battle. Mm. So it's just little things like that that, you know, you that helps you pinpoint, you know, whether it's a true RPG or whether it's just borrowing elements of RPG.
0: Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. So... So you say that Mass Effect two and three are a little questionable. How 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 would you feel about games like Borderlands, for example? Like those clearly have all the elements that require that are required for an RPG. You know, there's quests, there's character yeah. development, you level up, different abilities, you have inventory, stats, but the entire game is really just a shooter.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's a tough one to call because. Um I really like that game, and I for the most part I consider it RPG because you know you you pick up different guns that have you know different um, different abilities and different stats. You know it's it's a stat game, but you're also you know it's it's also a shooter. It's got the basic shooter mechanics, like it plays like a Call of Duty game. So. Yeah, that's like a true hybrid, and it's hard to really, you know, define it by one genre.
0: Okay, and so someone... that I'm going to ask you a question specifically now, Rich, since you're someone that doesn't play as many RPGs, typically. Um, You know, since you play a lot of other genres, for the most part, you know, you play... You know, one of your favorite games is Bioshock, you love Tomb Raider, you've played Gears, Call of Duty, Mm -hmm. and so you you play a lot of different games, so... What Do you think that the infusion of RPG elements is watering down what those games are supposed to be, or do you think it's enhancing them?
1: Oh, no, no, definitely not. I think it, it's definitely enhancing them. Um, there are RPG elements in Bioshock Infinite, of course. Um, I mean, and just as was described earlier with the XP system in the sports games, um, I, I, I personally think that Including those within a lot of these games, yes, it brings more to the table so that it doesn't feel like the same experience. This is especially true for a sports game because a game like Madden, I'm not really expecting innovation every single year, but if I'm seeing they're going to have a feature in there which you know, in which I have a player such as myself, I create myself. It's a lot more of a personal connection to that player, but you also feel a sense of entitlement because you're building up their skill sets, so on and so forth. So I would definitely say it does add to the value. Um I mean, like I said, and once again, games like Bioshock, the story-driven games, I just always think it's great to have something extra uh, because to me personally, I mean, I'm a, fa- I'm a fan that I like achievements. I like trophies. I like getting rewarded for playing through a game. So if I see a game that has an XP system, that's going to be interesting to me because I'm going to want to feel like I want to build up my character over time. So well, that's my personal opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I, think I agree with you. Um, you know, for example, if I go back and play like an old school shooter online, It just doesn't feel as rewarding if all I do is go into a game, kill people, wait for another game to start, kill people, wait for another... And that's all there is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, before Call of Duty 4, shooters were entirely separate genre. And Call of Duty 4 came out and added all those upgrade elements, added all the customization, and pretty much changed that entire genre forever. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And also, well, one thing, that though, that I want to kind of talk about is, you know, games that try to add RPG elements but don't really go far enough to make it meaningful and just end up, like, you know, just adding stuff for the sake of having it. Um, so one example that comes to mind for me, I don't know if Rich is going to agree with me here, is Tomb Raider. Um <laughs> You know, so in that game, you sit down at a campfire, and you can, you know, upgrading your weapons, I'll, I'll say that that is very good. Like, you can really add meaningful upgrades. But all of the other stuff, whenever you level up, and I'm using very large quote fingers right now in the oh. air, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't do anything. Like, you can level up and become better at finding animals. But, you know, finding animals lets you kill animals more efficiently, which lets you level up. And if you level up again, then you can become better at s- scampering across the ground. I don't know. Like it, it, there's nothing truly impactful, and to me, it comes across as just filler to give you more stuff to do.
1: Well, I would just like to say that I do agree with that, but I feel as though. That argument is biased because we already know that you are not a fan of that Tomb Raider game.
0: <laughs> That's not so let's, true.
1: Let's let's pick a different game, shall we? Because we already know
0: <laughs> David doesn't like Tomb Raider. That's not true. I liked it. <laughs> I think it's good.
2: No, I, I think he's completely right about that. Like, they, they tried a little bit too hard to add that. Like, fair enough if you add in, like, um, different attachments to the guns and stuff. Like, I can see that that makes sense. But everything else they tried to do in that game, like, it serves no real purpose.
0: Yeah. Okay, here's another example then uh, Madden before 2013. You know, in the All Star mode, you could level up basically your character and your player, but it didn't, it literally did nothing. Outside of just giving you a number and a bar to look at. You oh, know, yeah. But this year, they finally added to where you can actually unlock abilities. Like, you can actually unlock the ability to do a better stiff arm, or you have more stamina, or as a coach, you have a whole new type of plays that you can call.
1: Yeah, and So I, I think I they made
0: a move in yeah. the right direction. What'd you say?
1: I say? Yeah, I definitely get that. I definitely get that argument. They need to push this stuff further in other games, too, though. Really take it to the next level.
0: Yeah, I mean, Perfect World for me is every game will have elements that allow for customization and character development. Like, that that, that would be amazing. Like, that's why I love Darksiders, but hate God of War. Mm. God of War is boring and straightforward, and it's just an action game, and that's it. And I can't play it because I get bored, and I want character development. And I don't get that with God of War.
1: God of War,
0: Yep. God of boar,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, like, it, it's it's starting to become like a standard that you have, you know, upgradable um, items in games now. And what's funny is that, like, Last generation or previous generations, like, you were really seen as a geek if you enjoyed RPG games, like, and people would say things like, oh, um, why'd you play that? It's just a bunch of menus. But now, today, that's basically almost the standard. Like, you know, in every game, you're you're gonna be, um, going through the menus, upgrading things. So, it's just funny how that turned out.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting. It it that's how it always seems to work though, like nerdy and geeky stuff, you know, it's it's looked down upon at first, but then it eventually works its way into the mainstream and everyone loves it. Yeah. I mean that that's especially how it works with games, like you said, you know. RPGs were always kind of seen as like the nerdy thing while you know shooting games and bloody stuff was always cool and now they're kind of merging together and you know i if you took away all of the customization from call of duty and just had someone sit down and play call of duty 3 like that frat bro would go crazy (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right well i think we had a good discussion about that topic um I, I,
2: I definitely want to hear more opinions on that, though, in the comments.
0: Yeah, the definitely. Listeners. And if you can think of some more examples of games that poorly implemented RPG elements, oh, I would especially love to see those because you know I, all I could think of was Tomb Raider and Madden. So I'm sure there's a lot more.
1: I got a response to that? Yes. <laughs>
0: all right. Um, so next are two short topics to this uh, episode. Is uh, Coming to a close, the next topic is that um, we're going to start doing a Neverwinter Foundry focus segment on turn-based. Um, as I mentioned before, I, I really, really, really like Neverwinter, so I want to talk about it as much as I can. And um, on the site, you can check out my Foundry walkthrough that I did with the producer of the Foundry on Neverwinter. But we're also going to start highlighting specific foundry quests that we feel like you should check out. Uh, We don't have any suggestions yet. I would just recommend you go on and, you know, look at their featured quests. But um, once, you know, more quests get out there, once, you know, more votes are in and it's kind of leveled out a bit, we're going to start highlighting specific ones. Um, Yeah, so look forward to that. And also, just want to let people know that Operation Red Panda is still alive. We are still in the process of discussing things and ironing things out, but there hasn't really been a whole lot of progress. Um, we're going to wait and to really tell you about much more until we actually have a demo for people to play. So if you're one of the five people that listen to this podcast, then you know <laughs> there is something coming.
2: Yeah. I mean, at the moment, we're just trying to, you know, fit that in around our lives because, you know, Dave just graduated, you know, he had a um, really busy couple of weeks, you know, while he he finished up with school and everything and now he's going to go celebrate in Hawaii and, you know, I'm working hard, Um, I'm going to E3 as well, (laughs) so (laughs) I'm going to E3, so we've been planning all that stuff out as well, so yeah, we've just been fitting that in around our lives at the moment, so there's going to be delays, but um, we we definitely want to get that project finished, and we want to continue with it, because um, I'm sure I'm not just speaking for myself when I say I really enjoyed uh, when we was producing, you know, even, even just that little demo you made, Dave. Yeah. And, you know, just writing writing for the different characters, that was really fun as well, and seeing Rams' designs. So, yeah. I definitely want to get that finished so everybody can see it.
0: All right. Well, I think that just about covers it. That concludes episode 18 of Turn-Based. So keep an eye out on the site for all of our coverage of upcoming RPGs. Um, Like I said, the Mars War Logs review should be out. Um... I'm going to include a video that shows you the opening sequence of that game. So, you get ready, because I'll tell you right now, that the very first words that are seen on the screen and spoken by a character are some of the funniest I've seen in a while.
1: Oh yeah, I remember that. That was hilarious.
0: Yeah, and it's not funny in a good way. Like, they they were not trying to be funny. (laughs) Alright, well, thanks for listening.
2: All right. Take care.